Well, what's going on, Church Online? I am so excited to be here. Let me just get this out of the way because I really need to just exhale at this moment. <sighs> wow, what a great opportunity is in front of me right now. Many of you may not know who I am. Well, my name is Pastor Raphael. Some of you may know me as Pastor Ralph or Ralphie, and I have several other nicknames that I go by, but my parents gave me the name Raphael. And today I have the privilege of bringing the message. And I'm sure some of you out there are wondering, who is this guy and where did he come from? Well, the good news is you've seen me on church online here and there. Maybe you've teased this hair or this beard, um, or maybe you have been brave enough to send me a text and tell me how I am bringing SoGlow back. But no matter how you have reached out to me in these past couple of months, it's been great to hear from you. You know, a really good one that I heard this past week came from our very own, our senior pastor, Bill White, where he said, he said, um, you know, if you put a hat on Pastor Ralph with the beard and the hair, he sort of looks like a baseball player. Well, here I am, Bill. I'm not going to put on these hats, either one of them. And it's not so much because of what they look like, but as my sister-in-law constantly reminds me, these curls are popping and I really don't want to ruin it. But Bill, I did bring something special. I brought this back because you called me to step up here at this moment. You asked me to, and I took it up. So at this moment, I just want to say, batter up. Thank you so much for the challenge, and I'm ready to take a swing at this message today. And for those of you joining us online, and maybe it's your first time, I'm so glad that you're here today. And I pray that God will speak through this message and impact you in a new way. I just want to go ahead and say that, you know what, for the past two years, I've been in the dugout, and I've been training with my Kendall family. What's up, Kendall? Let your neighbors hear you. I am so happy to be here with you guys, and we are praying. Myself, my family, our entire community is praying for the day that our Lord allows us to return and gather, but it is such a pleasure to be here with you guys today. You know, today we're kicking off a brand new teaching series. And I really do apologize about my little rant. I had to represent real quick for my Kendall family. But as we're kicking off this teaching series titled Outboard, you know, when Bill first asked me, I have to be honest, I didn't feel ready. You know, the first question that came to my mind is, why me? You know, there are many times in my life where I have felt like, why me? And not so much asking Bill, but asking our Lord, our Father, why me? Why is it that you have put me at this moment to do something that I feel like I am not called to do? Now, I say training because I've been asking Bill to give me an opportunity to do this very thing. And don't take it the wrong way because I've had many of opportunities to actually give the word out there in Kendall and to serve with our Kendall family. And it's great to see how God provides at those moments when we feel our weakest. You know, I didn't think I was ready to, for today. But to stick to our baseball analogy, as I looked up the word leadoff hitter, and maybe you don't know a lot about baseball, the leadoff hitter is the first position. It's the first batter that goes up to the base to take a swing for the whole team. And he has to have a high um, percentage to get on base, and there are several other things. But of course, in a pastor fashion, I went ahead and I looked up the definition, and I've made my own addition. And it goes a little something like this. A leadoff hitter, in Ralph's addition definition, 
to a teaching um, series is they must have high on-platform percentage, platform discipline, word control, good speaking speed, and the ability to steal souls for the kingdom. Come on. Now, all I hear there is batter up. Let's get ready. Because I can joke around with all of this right now, and I can make jokes and crack jokes about it. But introducing this message to our church titled Outpour was something I did battle with. And I did ask myself, why would Bill pick me? There were moments that you probably asked yourself, why me? So for me, it's no different. But in our walk with Christ, where he calls us to go, there's going to be thoughts in our minds, in our hearts, that tell us, no, run, get away from there. But we have to live in the spirit. And for me, leading up to this point right now, and right now, oh, and right now, I think you get the point. You see, my flesh, my flesh is screaming no, but his will is screaming go. You see, we're all called to do something. We're all called to do something in our world. And at times, defining our purpose or defining that action is very difficult because we are battling against the yeses and the noes of our flesh. You see, that's why this series, Outpour, is so important. And it's so essential in this season right now that we are in, where many are facing difficulties, where many feel like they just can't anymore. And our hope is that we are going to redefine our edge. EDGE stands for evangelism, discipleship, generosity, and empowerment. Today, I will be focusing just on evangelism. But every week, we're going to learn a little bit more about these four disciplines because it's very essential in our walk with Christ. It's essential in our spiritual growth. You see, one of the things that I love is that Jesus modeled what, he's, what he taught. Jesus modeled what he taught. How? By multiplying himself in order to be an outflow rapidly into this world, by working through us, by working through his word every day as his spirit works through us as we go. And as he was going and outpouring his teachings through his actions, we learned that actions speak louder than words. Or as it says in 1 John 3.18, dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions in truth. In the case of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Messiah, he acted in love and in truth by freely giving his life for all that believe in him. And our responsibility is to share this message with the rest of the world. You see, he gave his life as a ransom, as a payment. He paid a debt that he didn't have to pay. And what debt did he pay? He died on the cross on the behalf of all of our sins so that we wouldn't have to endure an eternity of suffering. And now what does he want us to do? He simply wants us to share this message with the world in love, with actions, but the most important thing is love with actions and in truth, as Jesus displayed that for us. As we go in this world and we act in love, especially with those that are closest to us, how can we say we love them if they've never encountered God and we've never had an opportunity to share God with them? How are we acting in truth and in love? 
if we've never shared the gospel with the ones that we love. Church, I must say this. We are now the front line on evangelism. If we call ourselves the body of Christ, then we are ambassadors. We are representatives, not only of Christ, but of his works here on earth. And it's up to us to continue that mission as he works through us every day. You see, we have been made new and he has forgiven us for all of our sins. Our identity is now intertwined with him. What that means is that we have an eternity with him, but we also have a purpose, a calling. Not only did he offer redemption, but he offered us all a purpose. Evangelism is a calling that we live out every day as we go. In our case, as a group of Christ followers, the front line, Christ has made it very clear for us what the game plan is. You see, he mentions this several times, and maybe you've heard these words put together, the Great Commission. You see, we find the story of the Great Commission not only in the book of Matthew chapter 28, but also in the book of Mark chapter 16. And what these commandments are really telling us is to go. As Jesus wasn't only talking to his disciples, he was really talking to all of us as his disciples. You see, it's important to note something here, that when Jesus gave this command, not only was he showing them his authority because he walked with them and taught them a lot of things, but also because this is post-resurrection. This is after Jesus died and he comes again, and there's only 11 disciples, and he's addressing them and giving them this command. And it's important that we also understand that some of the disciples did believe and had faith that he returned, but others doubted. Others didn't believe that he returned, and I believe that they also forgot their calling for, for a second there. For today, we're not going to use the, the verses that we normally find in Matthew chapter 28. I want to focus in the book of Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Because as Christ's followers, Jesus said this not only to his disciples, but also to us. He said to them, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He got right to the point there. He said, go and preach the gospel. To who? To all of the world. I mean, when we think about it, God himself is telling us to go into all of the world to preach the gospel, to share this good news with everyone, to provide anyone that we come in contact with, to provide them with an opportunity to make a decision for themselves. See, many things speak life to me in this season, and obviously scripture is always breathing life into me, but the one word that stood out from this passage is the word go. And maybe it's because we're advised not to go anywhere at this moment. Maybe it's because all I hear is, no, you can't go here. No, you can't do that. But the word go has captivated me so much. And as we just read in this passage, it is clear, before we make disciples and baptize, we are called to go into the world to preach the gospel to all of creation. Now, I know all of creation sounds like a lot of people, but you can start right where you're at, with your family with your friends, or even with your small group. We have an opportunity around us every day. 
You see, not everyone is called to be an evangelist or a teacher or to speak publicly in front of a large crowds. But I will say that we are all gifted with the ability to teach one-on-one. I will say that by sharing the gospel, not only in our words, but also in our actions, he will work through us because he has gifted us with the ability to teach one-on-one and be more effective in that way. If I'm frank with all of you guys right now online, the first time I was called to teach in front of a large crowd, I bailed. I bailed. I said no. And I live with that chip on my shoulders every day. Because it reminds me that when times got hard for Jesus here on earth, he didn't just bail on us. He took all of the pain, all of the suffering. And in these times, I have learned that that's the the moment that his spirit shows up the most. When my flesh is saying no, when my flesh is telling me to bail again. And in time, I have learned that no matter what, if I'm speaking in front of large crowds, friends, families, or kids, our primary calling is to share the good news of Jesus Christ as we are going, as we are on the move. You see, what Jesus did is take time to teach me about his death, burial, and resurrection. And he did the same thing for you. And he wants us to offer this to all of humanity. As we go, remember that we are all God-ordained to share the gospel. You know, I don't want to forget to mention that there is also a reward, not only for the person that accepts Christ, but also for you, believer. See, we find this reward in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, where it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, it's not like a, they may be saved. It's a, for sure, they're going to be saved. It's guaranteed that they will be saved as long as they believed are baptized, that he guarantees us that we will be saved as long as we are trusting in him. That's a great reward, not only for the person receiving, but also for us as disciples, because we know that we will be united again in eternity with our father at the table gathered in his house. Now, Maybe, just maybe, that's not enough motivation for you. But another reason is right at the end of that verse, right at the end of verse 16, where it says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, that's a serious thought, but that also acts as a big motivator to push us on the go. Our primary calling is to accept those God-ordained moments and opportunities while we are on the front line of life to share the good news of Christ with all that we encounter. You see, Jesus didn't only say things, but his actions were a reflection of his words. He showed his power as the Son of God, as he walked with the disciples, as he was healing, teaching, raising people from the dead, and to add some extra Verification, he brought himself back from the dead. Now to me, to us, 
as disciples, this should speak in volume. Because as we go, we remember that Jesus didn't only say it, he also proved it. So whether you are at work, at home, or wherever you go, he will provide you with great opportunities to help others understand who Christ is. You know, I want to tell you about a little story that I read in scripture. And it's about this guy, a great teacher. And um, he modeled for us how to share the gospel. You know, this guy was sitting by a well, tired from his journey. It's about noonish, and he's just sitting there. And this woman is making her way to the well. And out of nowhere, the guy asked her, can you give me a drink? A lot of you know this story, and maybe you picked up already. This is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And for those of you that don't know this story, you can find it in John chapter 4, verses 4 through 42. But I'm going to pick up right there where it says, Jesus said, give me a drink. See, the Samaritan woman was puzzled for sure because Jews and Samaritans didn't associate back then. You know, it even got to the point where the Samaritan woman asked Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, would ask me for a drink, a woman from Samaria? And then Jesus simply responds to her in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I don't know if you know what's happening here. and We know that Jesus is an amazing, amazing fisherman, but he's going fishing right now. You see, but the Samaritan woman doesn't really understand that. She thought she was smart enough to point out the obvious to Jesus. So she goes on by saying, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the, the well is so deep. Where do you have that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Now, come on. I don't know if you guys can feel the tension. But right now, this Samaritan woman is literally questioning Jesus about what he has said. And every time I hear this story, I can't help but to think, oh, Samaritan woman, you are going to learn today. Because what Jesus is about to do is evangelize to this woman. He shares the gospel differently than I've seen it before. He is feeling the bites and he knows that the hook is about to be set. So he simply responds in verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He's talking about the water from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give, they will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of welling water, of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty again. Jesus goes on to call her about call her out about some of her sins in her life. She answered honestly and confessed about things that were happening. But she goes on to confuse them as a prophet. And then she talks a little bit about worship. But what Jesus does is clarify at that time. He steps in and extends salvation to her and also explains that salvation extends from the Jews. And how we must all, as disciples... Worship the Father in, a, in spirit and also and in truth. 
So the Samaritan woman replies in verse 25 by saying, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Fish on. I don't know if you know what just happened, but Jesus just caught the fish. My favorite part of this entire story is coming up. Because up to this point, Jesus, just in, he literally just modeled evangelism for us. And now, don't get it wrong, I know that he's Jesus. But bear with me for a second. Because the real important part in my eyes of this story and my favorite part is what this woman did. This woman did. Because it's time to go fishing again. You see, she left her water jar and she took off and she went back into her town. And we pick up in verse 29 where it says, Come, she's speaking to her town. She's telling them, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They all went from their town and were coming to him, to Jesus. See, this woman took off to her town with no jar, with no training, with no theological background and no command. She went back to share this gift. See, the Samaritan woman's evangelism edge was redefined at this moment as she felt qualified to go and teach with her testimony and also with the gospel at hand. You see, through her courageous action and steps, not only was she acting in faith by trusting in our Lord, but she was also becoming that living well for others. You see, they were so captivated that they invited Jesus back to the town to the point that he stayed with them for two days and many more believed. Now, there is something else about this that is amazing. Even though the woman proclaimed this from her mouth, what the rest of the people say in verse 42 is also important. Because as they go on to tell this woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard it ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. You see, Jesus was preaching and teaching through his actions. Jesus also encountered a person of peace. Maybe you don't know what that is, but a person of peace is a person that accepts not only the message or the messenger, but also the mission. You see, the Samaritan woman accepted the messenger being Jesus, accepted the message of eternal life, and then she went on her mission. Without any prompting, she just took off. Now let's switch the script. What if the Samaritan woman would have said no? Well, I think in any context or content, no's make it really hard for us to go. And as a disciple, what that means is for us to keep it moving, to keep going. And the reason why I bring this up is because you can't force a gift upon someone. You could just present it to them and hope that they accept it. If they don't, then you leave it at their front door. You leave it at the threshold. And the only words that should come out of your mouth, or not even, should come out in thought, are words of prayer as you are interceding for that person and asking for the Lord to open their eyes and open their ears to the truth. That's how we teach, that's how we preach as we go, through our actions. 
We share the gospel in our personal testimonies because these are God-ordained moments. You see, he's calling us to go and to keep moving. And we, we have these moments that we want to prepare. We want to make sure we know everything. And we want to make sure everything is perfect. But when we go, it's not about perfection. You see, this story of the Samaritan woman at the well talks a lot of volume about trust and faith. You see, because she didn't have a theology degree. She didn't walk with Jesus for years. He didn't heal her. What he healed was her heart, and she began to trust him. But she simply believed and was transformed from his message. She accepted the messenger, the the message, and also the mission. And I'm sure that has become a ripple effect all the way till today. I mean, as we think about our families, our groups, or whoever invited you to church, it was someone that came and spoke to you. And let me tell you, it wasn't anything that person said. There couldn't have been anything that person said to change your perspective. It was a God-ordained message at the right time. Look, family, some people will not be prepared, but we have to plant those seeds. They may not accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, but take that opportunity and go. Because it's not about how much we know as we go. It's about how much we let him flow through us as we go. I can admit, while I'm up here, I have two fears. Two of my biggest fears are heights and also public speaking, speaking from a platform. And even though I seem like I've been able to overcome it, even this morning, I was battling it. Even at this very moment, my body, my flesh is screaming, no! but his spirit continues to scream, go. And just because I don't feel qualified or I feel like I'm not ready, that does not mean that his message will not impact others. You see, the past eight years I've been in ministry and like I shared that story earlier about my public speaking and how I didn't feel called to step into these moments to share with others. You know, at those moments, God has really used the points where I feel like the biggest failure to turn it into the biggest opportunities in my life. He has turned every fleshly no into a courageous go. Church family, we only have one chance here on earth to bring as many as we can. And yes, that means you and I are charged with this responsibility as his spirit leads us and works through us. But brothers and sisters, I do want to warn you against one thing. Waiting for the right time. Waiting for the right time is hard. Because for all of us, time here on earth is very limited. So whether you haven't taken that next step, whether you haven't accepted Jesus Christ into your life, whether you haven't taken that step to be baptized, or you haven't taken that step to ask someone, do you know who Jesus Christ is? Stop waiting. Your time is right now to get in the game. You are the front line. 
and waiting for the right time is limited. But every one-on-one conversation that we have could be life-changing. I want to share a personal testimony with you guys. And many of you know my relationship with my father. Three years ago, he passed away. And I was able to go and see him even though I didn't want to. I was able to go and pray with him. I was able to spend time with him before he passed away. I was able to do so many things, even ask him for forgiveness. But I couldn't ask him, do you know who Jesus Christ is? I was not able to tell him. There was a time in my life that I felt angry and worthless. And then I found out who Jesus Christ was. And I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And today I choose to follow him because he has given me a purpose. And I turn every fleshly no into a courageous go. I couldn't do anything that I felt like God was calling me to do. See, the gloomy reality is that up to that night, I hadn't talked to my father for six years. See, when my son was two, I made the choice to turn away, to leave, and not leave the town, not leave my family, but to turn away from the things that were causing me to revert, to turn away from the things that were drawing me away from Christ. And unfortunately, my father became a part of that transition. You know, I felt that pain. I felt it so many times, and I also felt like the worst person that ever existed. I felt like a downright failure, and not only because I'm a pastor, but because I am a disciple of Christ, and he caused me to go, and the person that I loved, I couldn't ask them the simple question of, do you know who Jesus Christ is? I didn't even officiate his funeral because I felt like such a failure. You know, as all of these thoughts are running through my head for four days, for four days I'm beating myself up. As a son, as a believer, as a pastor, I'm just going through this pain. And the reality is that I couldn't have that conversation about salvation with my father. But as these thoughts are running through my head, as we are in his funeral and everything has happened and I'm thinking it should have been me leading this and we're taking off and we're on our way to his last resting place, God speaks again, he shows up. Because I got this voice message from the landlord where he was living at. And the landlord goes on to say things that I never heard from my father. Things like, he was proud of me, he understood why I made choices, Um, to propel my family. And the biggest thing that I celebrate today is that he accepted Christ three months before. You see, there's no way I can take credit for any of that. There is no way that I can say, God, all glory to me. No, all glory to you. Because when I said no, you showed up again, Father. And I just say thank you at these moments. And I wish I could explain the joy that I felt. The the size of just breathing out and letting everything go. Because I know that at the moment that I was supposed to be leading someone, God stepped back and he took the opportunity to teach me another life lesson. 
You see, we are not responsible for the actions that others take. We are responsible for being faithful and obedient to his commands. See, I share these stories of my failures and my biggest downfalls because they are also the biggest moments where God has showed up in my life. The God-ordained moments that I was not expecting. These, remind, these reminders through these stories simply tell us that disciples are on the go as the front line because they are God-ordained to carry on the ministry of Jesus before they are gone. You remember in the beginning when I asked, why me? Or when I was saying, why would I have to lead this series? Well, it's because I needed to learn. I needed to understand why evangelism is so important and why it's been so important to me. I'm in a season like many of you where I'm self-reflecting and I'm learning every day more and more about myself. And even though it's never easy, just know that you're not alone. His spirit is with you. Now I know you see some props up here. I have these hats and I don't wanna mess up the curls. But the reason why these hats are, here, are up here is because these logos represent something bigger. I got to play softball with our Kendall team uh, for almost two years with them. Uh, last year we stopped our teams, but what this logo reminds me of is the circle, the unity that we have as a community. But the arrow reminds me on the mission that we have that it's constantly pointing up towards God. It reminds me that I'm not alone and that I have a mission not only to build myself up stronger in the Lord, but to help others come with me on this journey. Now, this other bat, or this other prop that is a bat is also important because this bat here has been with me through the hardest times of life and is here with me at this moment when I was called and asked to speak. Now I know you look at this hat, you look at this bat, and you're like, man, it's beat up. It's not pretty. Let me tell you, our walk as Christians is not pretty. It's not easy. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of sweat marks. There's going to be a lot of things that happen to us, not only on the field, but also as we train, as we continue to live our lives for our Lord. And for those of you out there who have been on this journey for a while, God may be calling you to step up to the plate and simply just take a swing, share your testimony and how he showed up for you. Maybe you don't have a testimony that you can share with everyone. Well, I'm going to offer you this 15-second testimony. It's super simple, and it's easy for you to remember. And the more you do it, the easier it will be for you to help others understand who Christ is and to provide them with hope. Just make sure to keep it 100. Make sure to be as truthful as you can. What you're going to do is right now pick two words that you felt like you were before Christ. And then you're going to pick two words that you felt like you were after you accepted Christ and began to follow him. And then we're going to provide you with this text that says, there was a time in my life that I was fill in the blanks. But then I accepted Jesus Christ into my life and began to follow him. And today I am after Christ. 
See, that testimony seems hard, but it's a simple way for you to share the gospel with others. And the way you can start is right now by taking baby steps. I started off this message talking about baseball and how I'm in the dugout training with the Kendall family. Well, I, I really am training. I'm out there trying to learn how I can use these tools to have others understand who our Lord and Savior is. And at this moment, I just want to encourage you, practice. Practice right there where you are, with your loved ones, with your children. Allow them to see who you are reflecting and who you are trying to be like. Now, if you would like some on-hand training, we offer gospel conversations and also um, this three-thirds discipleship group where you get to walk with someone to learn a little bit more. But there's another prop that isn't up here, and it's the home base. The home base represents where the batter goes, but also how points are counted um, during a game. For us as Christians, that home base has two meanings. Either you're going to step up to the plate and swing for the fences, or you might need to slide home at this moment. You might need to run all the bases and come home and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Church, just remember, as you go, turn your nose into a go and share what brought you hope. You know, there was a time in my life that I was a slave to fear. Yeah, even this morning. But then I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I've been following him ever since. And he has helped me turn every fleshly no into a courageous go. Can we pray together, family? Father, I know we all don't have a story like that. And right now, you're calling us up to the plate. You're telling us, batter up, take a swing at the ball and share the gospel with someone. And Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that you've granted where I can share your word. And I'm also thankful for all of the leaders that you've provided, Lord. The way that they are laboring together not for their own glory, but to glorify you. The way that you've called them into action to turn every fleshly no into a fleshly thing that does not exist anymore because you've called us to go courageously. And Father, for, for some of us right now, we don't have a story like that. And Father, what I want to do is lift up these children to you. Lift them up before you, Father, so that you can open their eyes, so they can open their hearts to truly understand the majesty and the love that you provide us with, the majesty that you have over all of creation. And Father, may you just continue to reveal yourself in our lives every day. Father, we're thankful to be called your children, and it's in the mighty name of your Son that we pray. Amen. Now, before we go today, I just want to offer this last prayer. Maybe today, God has spoken to you. Today, you made a decision and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I just want to celebrate that with you because it's not going to get easier. But let me tell you, 
We're going to have an eternity where we get to be with him in celebration. There's going to be a day that we all get to gather together because now you have an eternal salvation. And I just want to offer a prayer for you as you begin your walk. And you're more than welcome to pray this with me. Father, we just accept you as our Lord and Savior because of the action that you took by sending your son here to die on the cross. And today, he is fully alive in our hearts, Lord. And it is our choice, our desire to follow him. No matter what the world throws at us, we will choose to go courageously and follow you, Father. Lord, may you bless us all. May you continue to guide us as we go. And thank you for turning every fleshly no into a courageous go. It's in the mighty name of your son that we pray. And all his children said, amen.